This is BoroughCast from Scarborough Borough Council. Hello and thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. This is the September edition of BoroughCast with Andy Carter and me, Gabrielle Janzio. Since we published the last episode of this podcast, we've had to come to terms with the death of the only Queen most of us have ever known in our lifetime. The news from Balmoral on the 8th of September was a shock for lots of people and sparked a period of nationwide mourning and reflection. In this month's BoroughCast, we'll look back at the Queen's visit to Scarborough in 2010. Here's what else you can expect this time. We have news on the help we're offering to cope with the cost of living crisis, why it will be easier to charge electric vehicles in our borough in future, and we explain how you can influence North Yorkshire's new council and how it will work. But first, the death of the Queen triggered a period of pomp and ceremony to say goodbye to Her Majesty and to welcome the new King, Charles III. You may have found the time to sign one of the books of condolence opened in Filey, Whitby or Scarborough, or you may have chosen to lay a floral tribute. In the days after Her Majesty's passing, organisations like ours had to follow a well-rehearsed plan of activities to mark the sad occasion. As well as issuing a formal statement and sending a letter of condolence to Buckingham Palace on behalf of everyone in the borough, the accession of the new king was declared in a proclamation ceremony in Scarborough and likewise towns across the county. The mayor is the civic lead of our borough and it is his or her job to take the lead when it comes to significant events like these. Councillor Eric Broadbent is our current, in fact he's our final mayor. In our Queen Elizabeth II Boroughcast special episode, he gave his reaction to news of her death. Um, like, like most people in our borough and across all the country in the world, in fact, um, we got the news that uh, a family had been summoned to Balmoral and I thought, oh gosh, she's, she, can't, she can't be well at all you know, for that to happen. And I recall my wife saying, that's really bad and... Then all of a sudden, you know, we heard the news that she died, and it was shock. It was, it was an instant shock. You thought, oh my goodness, it's it's finally happened because everybody was wishing and hoping that she's been poorly before and she pulls through. But uh, as it happened, you know, she she went peacefully in her sleep on the afternoon, and uh, yeah, the the country was was numbed, and I, I was numbed also. That was Councillor Eric Broadbent, Mayor of the Borough. Over the years, we've welcomed members of the royal family here on several occasions. For example, the Queen visited in 1975, but more recently, in May 2010, the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh spent several hours in Scarborough. They were here to look around the refurbished open-air theatre before other engagements, which included a visit to the pub in Clanton. Former Councillor Tom Fox was leader of the council at the time and Councillor Bill Chat was the borough mayor. Here they are reflecting on that special day and meeting Her Majesty. One of the things that uh, was quite fascinating for me was I wasn't actually part of the official lineup. We were put to look after the seats on the decking in front of the stage and the royal party and other VIPs were to join us on the on the decking where the seats had been arranged to watch the show. And indeed, the Duke of Edinburgh, walking very briskly, was way ahead of the rest of the party 
And he comes over to us and he says, have you been keeping our seats warm for us? <laughs> and he had a little giggle and said a couple of more things, but very, very nice and uh, a nice little bit of wit. I took over and I uh, escorted the Queen from her seat to uh, the freemen of the borough were. Uh, and my job was to introduce her and the Duke of Edinburgh uh, to them. And uh, we had a few paces to take and uh, she has, she's very sprightly. She was very sprightly. And she turned to me and said, this is amazing. She says, how have you managed to get so many people here for today's event? And I says, ah, ma'am, that was easy. You just told them you were coming. <laughs> and I got a little chuckle and a smile, and then we met the freemen of the borough, and the event continued. And I remember the guards, or, or the bodyguards, were saying, the Queen's arrived, and you stood there and you're waiting, you're all nervous. Yeah, she's at the station. Yeah, she's leaving the station. The crowds are absolutely enormous. They're trying to get through the crowds. Uh, they're on the way down north where Columbus Ravine's just blocked off. And then she pulled in, in this big Range Rover, and we all know the size of a Range Rover, you know, the Queen's five foot four. And I thought, you know, we're going to be greeting a, an 84-year-old lady. And this door opened and this lady jumped out of this car, honest to God. She, she was fitter than me. She was fitter than, I think, most <laughs> people who were there. And, and, and she come straight out. You know, obviously, she was introduced to people. She'd come along. When she came across and was introduced, I, I remember that. I must call her Your Majesty. And then um, after that, I referred to her as Mom. And then we, we walked, she went down the queue and then I had to walk just behind her uh, with Prince Philip, uh, who was absolutely quite sprightly as well, you know what I mean? They, I wouldn't have said they were, they were a couple of pensioners. I would have said probably they were right in the 50s. And, and as I sat down, uh, the Queen actually spoke to me and she said, is this a new venture, Mr Mayor? I said, no, it's a rehash of the 1930s. And, and she was quite pleased. When we walked back to the car, I walked behind slightly, and, and as they went to get back in the car, they opened the door and she went forward, she stopped, and she turned round and she came back to me. She went, Mr Mayor, it's your last day today. I said, it's my last event, Mum. I said, and I get you on my last day. She went, was it good? I said, it was fantastic. And that was it. That was Councillor Bill Chat, and before him, former council leader, Tom Fox. You can listen to the full interview with Tom, Bill and our current mayor in our 30 minute special edition of this podcast, which is dedicated to Her Majesty the Queen. To stream or download that episode, visit scarborough.gov.uk forward slash podcasts and go to the Borough playlist you'll find on the page. Before we move on, I should um, take this opportunity to mention the fact that, Gabrielle, you travelled to London to view Her Majesty lying in state. A unique experience, I'm sure. What was it like? What can you tell our listeners? Yes, Andy, a very unique and special experience that myself and my partner will, will never forget. Yes, the queue was long. I think it was 11 and a half hours for us but definitely worth every hour, obviously, of that queue. We happened to approach the entrance to Westminster Hall just before 6pm on the Saturday evening um, prior to the, to the funeral week. 
Um, and we, we heard that there was about to be a, a change of guard happening and literally just, you know, sort of very special for us. That change of guard wasn't the ordinary change of guard. It was the one that was welcoming the Queen's eight grandchildren into the hall um, for them to pay their respects to their grandmother and, and stand vigil. And, and that was a very poignant moment. Um, very emotional for a lot of us that had queued all that time to go through and see that. Uh, but yeah, very unforgettable and, and very special. Absolutely. What an amazing day for you both. You're listening to Boroughcast, a podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. Next, we're going to focus on the cost of living crisis. On the same day the Queen died, our new Prime Minister announced plans to help reduce the cost of energy with a freeze to the cap on the price of gas and electricity. It's called the Energy Support Scheme and could stop annual bills rising higher than £3,300 for the average detached property. However, and this is really important, the cap is not a maximum limit on the price you will pay. It does restrict, though, unit costs. You will still be billed for all the energy you use, as well as a daily standing charge. The exact benefit to your household of the scheme will depend on the type of property you have, what fuel you use and the energy tariff you are on. For more information on the scheme and all the other financial support being provided by government, visit its website, which is www.gov.uk. There's also a link in the description box for this podcast. Meanwhile, here is some news about the cost of living help we are offering. If you are a homeowner with a property in council tax bans E to H, we're encouraging you to check if you are eligible for help with rising energy bills. Gabrielle has more information on this. So, Gabrielle, how has this all come about? Well, Andy, earlier this year, the government announced plans for a £150 energy rebate paid by the council tax for homes in bans A to D. We were one of the first councils in North Yorkshire to complete the initial phase of rebates to households that pay their council tax via direct debit. £5.25 million was paid out in a 10-day period in April to 35,000 households. Since then, we have been working hard to ensure the £150 rebate is received by households that pay council tax via all other means. And as of the 9th of September, more than 44,000 payments have been made, totalling £6.59 million. OK, so that's helpful. But what about homes that are in the other council tax bans? Well, we've now turned our attention to assist households in bans E to H that weren't eligible for support under the initial scheme. Um, if your home is in those bans and you receive local support for council tax, this is made clear on your annual bill, you are entitled to the £150 rebate. It's part of a discretionary scheme we have created to support as many people across the borough as possible. Most payments have been made automatically, but if you haven't received the rebate, we encourage you to check your eligibility and apply for it. Okay, that's fine then. So what about someone who doesn't actually get local council tax support? Well, there's good news there too. The rebate scheme is also potentially available to households who are not eligible for local council tax support, but do receive other financial help. This includes universal, working or child tax credits, income support, carer's allowance, disability living allowance or pension credit. Additionally, we are providing support to people who don't pay council tax, but do receive a utility bill for gas or electricity. 
This could include someone living in shared accommodation, where the cost of rent and council tax is bundled into a single payment, or in a house of multiple occupancy. And where can our listeners find out more information? There's more information and application forms on our website. Go to scarborough.gov.uk and search using the term £150 energy rebate or simply click or tap the direct link in the description box for this podcast. Gabrielle, thank you very much. A cross-political group of councillors is to investigate how the cost of living crisis is affecting households like yours across the borough. Members of our Places and Futures and Lives and Homes Overview and Scrutiny Committees are leading the work. The inquiry will consider where there is awareness of all the financial advice, support and entitlement on offer to households across the borough. It will also try to establish whether the voluntary and community organisations that assist people in need have the support they require. Across the borough, an ageing population and poorer health outcomes in some of our communities means the cost of living crisis is felt more acutely. The group of councillors are keen to hear about the real impact of rising household bills, how people are coping and what information sources they are using. It's also hoped voluntary and community organisations will set out how their services are being used, the pressures they are under and what additional support they require. Evidence to the inquiry can be submitted via our Democratic Services team using the email democraticservices at scarborough.gov.uk. You'll also find that address in the description box of this podcast. Please note that the deadline for submissions is Friday the 14th of October. Let's take a short break from news now to bring you the part of this podcast which you can contribute to. In fact, it rather relies on your input. We call it the sounds of the borough. If you're familiar with the principle of slow radio or you listen to Paddy O'Connell on Radio 4 on a regular basis, or in fact this podcast, you'll know what this is all about. Our borough, of course, is visually stunning, but we think it's audibly interesting too. For this episode, we're featuring ancient engineering. Earlier this month, the cliff lift at Scarborough Spa resumed normal service after many months being out of use, while major maintenance works were carried out. The cliff lift is well over a century old and since opening has carried potentially millions of people up and down its tracks. This recording was made by Corris Davies who joined one of the first journeys on the day of reopening. here's a bit of a test for you that recording goes up and it goes down now i know you live fairly close to that cliff lift so given your specialist knowledge can you tell me which way round did it go up first or down first you might win some prizes here i'm gonna guess with up first 
but of course I might not be right. No, you are absolutely spot on. Your 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 ability to detect audibly engineering from a long time ago is, well, I'm frankly amazed. Anyway, uh, on that note, if you would like to submit your own Sounds of the Borough recording, we'd love you to please send it to podcasts at scarborough.gov.uk along with your name and where you live. Next, we're making it easier to charge hybrid and electric vehicles across the borough. 48 new charges are to be installed after we secured £260,000 for an initial rollout at 18 locations. Whitby will get 12 charges, 27 will be installed across Scarborough, there will be three in Filey and two each in Robin Hood's Bay, Staithes and Runswick Bay. The locations in the first phase have been chosen where there is limited or no access to on-street parking and they are designed to be used by local residents. The charge points will be a mixture of 7 and 22 kilowatts to provide flexibility in terms of capacity and therefore speed of charging. It's hoped the first devices will be installed before the end of the year in what will be the biggest rollout of electrical vehicle chargers anywhere in North Yorkshire. Harry Barros is our climate lead here at the council, and it's his hard work that means this rollout can go ahead. Harry is with us now. Welcome to the podcast booth. Hi, Gabrielle. Very nice to be here. Thanks for having me on. So we're here today to talk about um, our exciting project, the EV charging scheme. And I'd just like to start by asking you, um, why do we need these chargers in the borough? It's really important for me to, to get these EV charge points out across Scarborough and right up and down the borough in the urban parts, in the rural parts, everywhere we can, because in 2030, the government is going to ban the sale of new diesel and petrol vehicles. And it's almost inevitable that the the main shift will be to electric vehicles. And we're starting to see that now in the area. The number of EVs has pretty much doubled in the last 12 months that, that numbers have recorded. So we're trying to sort of get ahead of the curve, make sure that our area is one of the best prepared areas in the country for this shift from diesel and petrol vehicles over to electric vehicles. And EV charge points are a big part of that, especially considering we have so many homes that are maybe terraces without driveways, so are going to be reliant on public infrastructure. And that's what we're hoping to provide. You just mentioned there about the um, obviously the, the progression from um, diesel and petrol um, and moreover to um, electric vehicles. Are there any predictions that you're aware of about that growth over the next few years? The numbers are really showing an exponential growth. So I think the latest number is there should be somewhere around 400 EV or, or part EV hybrids in, in the area, which is up from 200 the year before. But if we look ahead to, to the end of a decade, it could be over 8,000, which is obviously an absolutely enormous increase. And these EV charge points that we're putting in the ground now will hopefully be the first in a series of phased projects that will allow us to prepare to, to host that many EVs in our area. So certainly very good that we're preparing for the future there. Um, so how have the initial locations across the borough been selected? We've chosen these locations as they fit with the government suggestions for what they think is a reasonable walking distance for residents to park up, charge an EV, maybe overnight while they're asleep or over the course of the day if they're at work or working from home. So most of the 
car parks that we've put them in are in a five, 10 minute walk from areas like terraced houses where they don't have driveways. So it should be really easy for our residents to be able to access these car parks. That's really handy to know because um, many of our listeners will be aware of the um, the different housing stock we have across the borough. Um, not everybody has a driveway um, where they can have their own point installed and a lot are straight out into the street. So that, that's really good to hear. Um, and our um, project partner in all this, Connected Curve, um, has a similar scheme in Rydell. And has it been successful over there, Harry? It absolutely has. One of the things we made sure to do when we were first thinking about EV charge points was to ask around for our partner authorities and see what experience they've had in the market, what experience they've had dealing with different charge point providers. And Connected Care became really well recommended from Rydale. So that's one of the um, many reasons that we've gone with this company as our main uh, provider. Excellent. And um, what's sort of well, their ambition and our ambition too for the for the number of charges available? Um, you know, so how many will be installed by the end of this project? And then are, are there any thoughts for increasing that amount in the future? Absolutely. Yeah. So for, for this project, we're looking at 48 charge points, each of which will be able to charge two cars at the same time. So that's 96, if my maths is right quickly, 96 cars that we can charge at the same time all across the borough. And as I say, this is very much a first phase. We will look to learn from this. We'll look to learn which locations people prefer to charge at, what time of day, um, whether they prefer the faster chargers or the slower chargers. And we'll use that to build us a bank of knowledge and evidence so that when we can go forward and install more charge points in other locations, we fall back on that knowledge we're gaining in this first phase. As I say, this first phase will be really useful to drive a lot of growth in EV charge points and EV cars. Harry, before we let you go, separately, Eastfield is to benefit soon from something called a shared mobility scheme and Whitby's in the pipeline for this as well. What can you tell us about that um, scheme, which is separate to EV charges, but equally as important to us as a borough? Yeah, so this is a project called Local E-Motion that we've been working on as part of a community renewal fund in partnership with uh, our local enterprise partnership and Richmondshire District Council elsewhere in our big North Yorkshire patch. And it's about designing these shared mobility hubs, as you say, um, with a focus on them being renewable and electric. So things like electrically powered scooters and bikes and car clubs that people can use to get around the area more cheaply, um, more efficiently and with a bit of a green edge on them. And you can see in York has an e-scooter scheme as well, uh, and you can see how that's really lifted the city of York in recent months and years and has really enabled people to get around much easier. And we're looking to replicate that in places like Eastfield. At the moment, it's in a, in a design and a feasibility stage. We're really pleased with how the designs are coming along. It looks to be an absolutely brilliant project, and it's our job now to, to go and find funding and make sure that it happens. Fantastic. Harry, thank you for joining us on the podcast in our tiny booth today. Thank you very much, Andy. Thank you, Gabrielle. You're listening to Boroughcast, a podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. Our colleagues at Fostering North Yorkshire are looking for new foster carers to cover pre-planned short breaks for children and young people with a range of additional needs. The support takes place in the homes of short break foster carers and gives children the opportunity to access new, positive experiences and meet new people. Short breaks fostering could offer you the chance to foster for regular weekends or overnight stays to fit in with your own lifestyle or around your current job. 
you would experience the rewards of helping a child with a disability reach their full potential and know that you have given their family a much needed and welcome rest. To be a short break carer, you need energy and enthusiasm and a desire to make a difference to the life of a local child. Resilience and patience are also needed and possibly some experience of caring for children with additional needs, although training will be provided. In return, Fostering North Yorkshire offers ongoing support and training along with generous financial allowances. Here's foster carer Joanne and her daughter Ellie talking about their experience of supporting children in need. Hi. My name's Jo and I've been a foster carer now for the past six years. I'm a single carer and I have three birth children who have been very much behind me on this fostering journey. I love my job. Being part of a foster family, my daughter, she says it's always lots of fun, our house is always busy and it's really nice to know that you are able to help children who need your help. For five years fostering was a really big part of my family life. Mum started fostering when I was 15 and in the following years looked after many different children. It's something I always look back on with really fond memories and feel very proud to have been a part of. It was always a sad moment when children left our care, but it was more bearable knowing that in majority of cases they were going on to their forever home. I've now lived away from home for just over a year and looking back it's silly little things I miss, like being asked where you're going when you're leaving a room, or the big smiley faces that were waiting to greet you when you came back home, and the endless amounts of love that were shared in our household. There is obviously sad times during this when a child does move on, although it's a happy event and we do celebrate this with the child. Hopefully they're going on to, you know, some a new family or back back home, things have been resolved and they're going on for a, a happy life. We're, we're happy for the children. Obviously they leave a big hole in our lives and it is emotional when they do leave us. It's It's great when they are able to keep in contact with us Um, and we do see them again afterwards, which we do with several of our children. They do become part of your family, and it is nice to still be able to see them or to be able to keep in touch with them. Joanne and Ellie there. To find out more about Short Break Fostering, contact the Fostering North Yorkshire team via their website. There's a link in the description box for this podcast. As we've previously reported in this podcast and our Residence News monthly newsletter, changes are being made to the way local government is structured in our county. Next year, we, the local council for the Scarborough Borough, the county council and the other six district and borough councils in North Yorkshire are all being abolished. From 1st of April 2023, there will be a single unitary council providing local services across the whole county, from the coast all the way to the borders with Lancashire and Cumbria. The team setting up the new authority is organising what it calls North Yorkshire's biggest conversation with its Let's Talk campaign. The idea is to have at least 1,250 face-to-face chats with people from across the county to find out what they want from the new Unitary Council. The initial consultation will capture views on local services, including public transport, education and housing. Let's Talk is also taking place online via a dedicated consultation portal. We'll put the link to that in the description box for the podcast. We encourage you to take part in Let's Talk as it's your chance to influence how the new council will work and its priorities for the future. Caroline Harrison-Jones is part of the team leading this work and I'm delighted to say she joins us on the podcast today. Hi, Caroline. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Very glad to be here. We've given a bit of an introduction there, but perhaps you can tell us what Let's Talk is really all about. Let's get to the crux of it. 
Sure. So as I'm sure many of our residents know, uh, we're launching the new council next April. Um, and a big part of that is making sure that we are serving the residents and making sure we understand what the new council can do for them, how they would like to work together. Uh, this is why we decided to kind of kickstart the biggest conversation North Yorkshire has ever seen, which is let's talk. Uh, so we'll be out in the local areas across all of North Yorkshire. Um, from coast right through to the dales, across all the towns and villages, and we're going to be holding these really important conversations in person with our residents, people who live and work here, go to school here, uh, maybe have a business in the area, and we just want to find out what's important to them. So we'll be starting the conversation, first of all, uh, by focusing on what's important in their local area. So what would they like to see the council do more of? Um, how can we help their local area? Is it investing more in public transport? Is it looking at more education, childcare facilities? Uh, what makes a good local area? Is it that you have access to parks and playgrounds for your kids? Um, is it, it's got a great town centre full of local shops? And we're also looking at community networks. We have a proposal of around 30 community networks, which again will cover the whole of the county. Um, and it's really important to get these in the right places. So we're asking our, our residents of North Yorkshire to give us their opinion. Do these community networks make sense to them? Does it cover the areas they consider to be local to them? Um, just to make sure that we get it right and um, get off on a good footing for the new council next year. So how important is the local voice then in this process to establish this one single council for the whole of our, our amazing county? It's vital, you know, the council, it's there for the benefit of the residents in North Yorkshire. Um, we, many of us work in, uh, live in North Yorkshire as well as work for the local authority there. Um, so it's really important that we are hearing what do people want from their local council? What services can we offer? And obviously some things we have to do, uh, some things we have to spend money on, like um, adult and children's services. But there are also other things that we can do as a local council to help support um, and make sure that everybody is getting the things that they need from their local council. So we're really, really interested to hear the views of, um, of all our residents. Is this then going to set the tone for how the new council will engage with residents in the future? Because as you say, there are three different sets of conversations we want to have with residents. And is this going to be the model for years to come, do you think? Or at least you hope that will be the case? Absolutely. That's certainly our hope. Um, you know, North Yorkshire Council will be the largest geographically in England, um, but we're really committed to working at a local level. And obviously that means going out into the communities to hear the feedback. Um, it's a huge county. Um, and, you know, there's, it's just really important that we understand what what can we do to best serve our residents, really. So, yeah, we absolutely want this to kind of be sen setting the tone for the years to come and make it a council that works really well. Caroline, thank you so much for joining us on BorougharCast today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. We end with a what's on slot. First, it's time to get your skates on as Scarborough will have its own ice rink again this year. It returns to North Street just off Westborough from 9th of December to the 3rd of January. And this Christmas, the whole festive experience in Scarborough is going to be even more, well, festive. A 14 by 14 metre teepee next to the rink will feature a bar and a roaring fire. Perfect for mums and dads or any other family member, frankly, to relax while waiting for their children to have fun on the ice. There will also be stalls and attractions, including gifts, German sausages, craft chocolates, gin, sounds like my kind of place, a children's carousel and a musical organ. And the whole area is going to be made even more Christmassy with a special lighting. In the town centre, there's going to be festive themed activities on the first three weekends of December, including music and entertainment, creative arts and the chance to meet Panto stars. 
We've created a special website, scarboroughicerink.co.uk, and you'll also find the link to that in the description box for this podcast. That's it for this edition of BorougherCast. Before we go, let's quickly look ahead to next month's podcast, which will be published towards the end of October. We'll bring you news of the final proposed Friday investment plan and update you on a project called Better Homes. In the meantime, thank you for listening. For Mandy. Goodbye. And for me, Gabrielle, goodbye. For more news and information about the services we provide, visit scarborough.gov.uk.